Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp and as always, I am joined by Will Murden. How's it going today, Will? Really good, man. Really good. How are you? Good. I feel sprightly. I feel fast. I feel well lubricated. I think today is going to be a brisk, quality, uh, lively, sprightly show. So I'm looking forward to it. You feel fast? Yeah. Is that something, not something I should say? Well, it's not something that I immediately springs to mind when I'm thinking of you. Yeah, well, I mean, fast on a football field, no. Fast in other areas, 100%. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> All right. Um, now, something I do want to bring up with you before we get into our week nine preview. Uh, we've got a little bit of news. You've got your South Pole that you want to hit. We've got game previews. We have got uh, the championship draft, of course, again, where I'm going to push further into the lead. We've got bold predictions and we've got on the punt as well. But I was sitting at home last night and I was thinking, well, I was actually watching TV while I was doing a little bit of marking and I was watching War Dogs. You would have seen it um, because you've seen everything that's yep. ever been produced that's, ever. That's Jonah Hill, right? It is, and he's the person that I want to speak about. I think Jonah Hill is one of the best actors maybe ever. Whoa. Yeah, I think he's fantastic. I think he probably was pitched as like a bit of a bit part guy and was you know had that comedy background, obviously, with uh, Super like Bad? Superbad, That's I suppose, ripper, yeah. is how he came. Right, but like Moneyball was a fantastic movie. Obviously, Wolf of Wall Street was really, really good. Uh, and then War Dogs, which obviously had its comedic timing that he needed to bring, but certainly wasn't solely comedy. He's super flexible, super uh, capable of picking up any role. He's super bad. Hey, see what I did there? But um, hey, I think he's wicked. I think he's a really, really good actor. Okay. Yeah, I don't hate that call. I mean, he has done a lot. You could see him easily getting pigeonholed having done super bad and then like he was only going to be that fat right. comedic relief. But you're right, right. He definitely has a bit more depth to him. So, yeah. So there you go. How old is he, by the way, just as a, a guessing game for you? Thanks for sharing. If I had to guess, I'd say 34. That is a good guess. He's 35, which. I don't know. I feel, like he's been around a while. Don't get me wrong. I guess we've been around a while, but I thought he was like probably younger than that. But anyway, um, no, you good, op- good operator. That was just a little bit of a take, and I know how much you like talking film. So there we go. Yeah, always happy to get them in. All right. So the only wee bit of news that I wanted to bring up because I think it's hilarious, and you probably will too, being an Oklahoma State fan. But the Sooner Schooner 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 has been retired for the remainder of the year. It has, yeah. And I like how it was uh, put out there, like the ESPN notification. Well, the thing that I find interesting about this is, well, my question is why? Like, it's not like they couldn't have that thing repaired and ready to go next week if they wanted to have that done. Like, there's got to be there's like got to be some reviews. Thing? Yeah, absolutely. There's got to be some Oc Health and Safety reviews. Is this oh, something that can happen God. moving forward? We are lucky that a young woman didn't lose her life. I know these <sighs> are the things that are happening. I'm with you. I think it's fucking bullshit. I think it's way over the top. But these are definitely the conversations that are happening in Oklahoma boardrooms. So, look, yeah. I mean, this is the thing I've never understood with this sort of crap, though, is that if no one crashes, no one's got a question and no one's got an issue and no one's raising this. As soon as something happens, 
It's like, oh, well, now we've got to review it. Now it's an issue. And I get that. Like I get that aspect of it. But if you really cared about the situation in the first place, you would have assessed the risk before the crash happened. Yeah, I mean, tough to do though. A lot of that does happen, but it's, I don't know. I I don't think our listeners are interested in understanding risk and risk management on that, uh, that whole jam now i think there is a level of it but some some things are a little unforeseen and how many times has that schooner rolled out on there in a safe manner right exactly what? but surely surely that's got to be there it's like okay risk number one the horses go crazy rabid and bite someone risk number two you roll the cart well like, that's it but like you it's got to have been considered think about ralphie I'm more, I'm more worried <laughs> no about that shit. motherfucker because, like, yeah, they have well, a number a of handlers. Well, there's a fucking live tiger at LSU. Yeah, like, but they don't Jesus let him Christ. out. Ralphie's running around the field. If he wants, he can just wreck shit. Like, it doesn't Be matter funny. how many handle, handlers you've got. He is just going to annihilate whatever's in front of him if he so <laughs> feels like it. So there's, there's a few risky ones out there. And I think, right, well, I think you'll like my bold prediction this week. <laughs> okay <laughs> oh jesus let's not get too hung up on this crap then uh but let's dive straight into your south pole there william yeah let's do it so this is a favorite of mine now where i get my opportunity to, to pump up the to complain well not, complain, not so much to complain but to put my argument forward as to who i think the best eight teams are or probably not even the best eight but the most deserved teams for an eight team playoff and then for you to kind of Try and have a bit of a crack at me and pull me down. So that's cool. Which I will do. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, no one is expecting anything else. So straight into it, Ohio State are still the number one team for me. Alabama are still number two. I have those two unchanged. I'm gonna, just to stop you there straight away, uh, I'm going to have – I won't do it now. We don't need a deep dive on Ohio State, but I do have a little bit of a question around Ohio State, which I'll ask when we preview the Wisconsin game later in the episode. Okay. Can't wait. You've got that, that's a <laughs> sounds like it. Yeah, well, it, you've got everyone on uh, the edge of their Tender seat hooks. now. Yeah, that, oh, obviously, yeah. <laughs> okay, so push on. I have Clemson jumping up to number three, so they were number four. They have taken the spot that was vacated by Wisconsin after their shock loss. Uh, I have, even though they've dropped down in the AP poll, correct? Another position, yeah. They, yeah. They dro- well, but for mine, they dropped down. What on the back of a dominant was it forty five to ten victory or something over Louisville? Yeah, over yeah. over one of the better ACC teams. I think that's a bit harsh. So mm-hmm. I have them at three. I have LSU jumping up two uh, into four. So I actually yeah. I have them jumping over the top of Oklahoma. Uh, Ooh, okay. they, yeah, I don't hate they that. They stay steady yeah. at five. Uh, then yeah. my big movers this week were Penn State coming in. So uh, that they essentially replace yeah. Wisconsin. Uh, and I'm not sold on them yet, but they are undefeated, and I have a lot of respect for that fact. So they get the nod over uh, a couple on the bubble that I'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, this is where things get a little bit interesting, and this is where I'm... So what, wait, what have we got left? Is that all the conference champions? No, so, champion? so that's uh, no, the second not. at large. We're missing the Pac-12. We have the Pac-12 coming in at the seven seed. I have Utah. I have Utah stepping in for Oregon. So last week I had Oregon. This week I have Utah. And filling out my group is SMU. So they're still the group of five representative. So what has Utah done in the past seven days that you think makes them a better team than Oregon who's just gone and beaten Washington? Utah went and shut out Arizona State, of course. But... 
you think you you're you're saying that well i'm suspecting here that utah and oregon are going to face off in the pac-12 championship game or i mean that's not what we're we're not hypotheticalizing that's not a word but you're saying that utah's a better team than oregon at the moment correct right now from what i've seen so they were very close to begin this week and they are still very close so they're, they're both very good teams and i like the fact that we're probably going to get to see them play out but for mine their dominance showing over arizona state really has me believing that they are the better team at the moment. I think Oregon have a few flaws in there, and and Utah do too, but I'm giving the nod to Utah this week as the cream of the crop in the Pac-12. So let me get this right. So this is a Utah team that hosted a true freshman quarterback with a porous offensive line in the rain, and Utah went and won that game versus... Oregon, who went up to Husky Stadium in Washington on a big away game against what we now know is a quality quarterback. And they win that on the road, tough conditions. Escape with a a victory there. Just got over the line against a team that is not all Pretty good. A team that's pretty good. Pretty good. A team whose coach you cannot stop raving about year to year. Yeah, absolutely. I'll I'll stand by that. But but that's (laughs) the only reason that team is good. Okay, so Jacob Eason's not very good. That defense, which has been probably the He's top okay. one or two in the Pac-12 and possibly top 10 in the country Super young for the past year. five or yeah. six years. And this, Super and, young and this not year. This year. I, I don't, and I think that's where Washington let down this year. They don't have that defense that they normally have, and that's why they're not in this conversation. These two teams are. So let's no, not let's not dwell on this one. They are tight, but that's that's what we have there. Uh, my next one's out, just missing. I have Auburn. Uh, I have Wisconsin still around the mark, so disappointing loss. But there, if you take that aside, which obviously you can't do, but if you do, they are still a very impressive team from what we've seen there. These sorts of aberrations yeah. do happen. Uh, I have Notre Dame making making a little entrance therein oh, at eleven. No. And then Oregon slide in after them at 12. Okay, so you got some pretty big outs here. There's no mention of Florida. There's no me- – who is currently sitting at number seven at the moment in the real polls. Yep. you got no mention of Georgia, who's at number 10. Uh, now, their loss isn't great and their performance on the weekend wasn't anything to write home about. But and, – and no mention of Baylor either in the, in the Big 12, who are still undefeated – and arguably haven't played anyone, but probably worth a mention at this point. Yeah, and you're right. Like all the, An argument can be made for all of these sides, but from my calculations and the way that I've run the poll, oh, the calculations, this is the how the numbers calculations. are How the numbers computer-generated. Big pardon? They computer-generated numbers, these uh, numbers that you're running. You're running spreadsheets. There is and, 100% uh, a spreadsheet in front of me that has, oh, has crunched this out. So. I'm not going to dwell too long on this. This is your little baby and I'm very meh on it. I, I don't rate Penn State, really. I think their offense was lethargic outside of the first quarter and a half and one or two plays in the in the second half. And their defense, whilst they're very good, I think there's some scoring opportunities for a high-powered offense. Uh, having said that, they've beaten who has been in front of them. I also don't trust James Franklin, but I'll get into that a little bit later as well. The things that I do want to say is there's probably two teams that I am interested in. Ohio State, Ryan Day, 
I like first year coaches don't come in and do what he has done. Justin Fields as a transfer freshman y sort of type quarterback with not really any game experience doesn't come in and do what he's done this year and possibly may set records slash become Ohio State's best quarterback of all time once his time is done. So what they're doing is 100% impressive and needs to – it can't be understated, I don't think, the job that they're doing there. The other one that I want to mention is Clemson and the fact that I get the impression, but I'm not 100% sure that they're kind of just getting bored with the ACC and the fact that week in, week out, majority of the games that they play are just not particularly entertaining. They're not partic- they don't need to get up for anything. They don't need to get excited about anything. There's nothing that's really, you know, really dialing up the intensity and switching on that intensity meter for them on a week-to-week basis. And that would be my only thing because last year we thought that was possibly the case as well and they just went absolutely murdered Notre Dame in the playoffs. So I think write Clemson off um, as much as you want to, but I would be careful to do so. Yeah, I, and we mentioned that in our mid-season show. That's that's probably their only real weakness that we know of is whether that motivation is still there. And teams are sleeping on Clemson a little bit, or sorry, the public is sleeping on Clemson a little bit, and it certainly shouldn't be. They are still very dangerous and incredibly talented. For sure. Okay, let's jump into some ga- – well, thank you very much, firstly, that Will, for your South Pole there. And let's get into some game previews. Before we do jump into specific games, I think this week allows this season to keep its current billing of what's been going in from a chaos perspective. And I think another big team gets or is on the receiving end of an upset here this week. So whilst, again, the schedule doesn't look like it's too heavy, we didn't think that last week either. It actually kind of shapes up a little bit similar to last week. There's the kind of two or three ranked matchups, There's a lot of uh, ranked teams on the road. And this week, again, could see the back end of a contender. Yeah, I think there's some ripper matchups this weekend. I think it's better on paper than what we had last week. I'm really looking forward to it. I was kind of browsing through it and I thought, oh, man, there's, there's a lot going on here. It could also fall flat, but hey, that's college football. So, and there'll always be entertaining games. But anyway, let's jump into it. Friday morning, SMU, your boys uh, from Dallas visit Houston. They stay in state, but I don't think this game's going to be close. Sonny Dykes has got Shane Michelle and this offense going. They're putting up over 500 yards, 44 points a game, and going against a defense that is conceding a fair bit more than that. Uh, and they could only get a Houston could only get over UConn by one touchdown, so I don't see that one being particularly close. Yeah, this is a transitioning Houston team. So whilst dangerous uh, in Houston, I expect SMU to walk away with a win here. Okay, on Saturday, Colorado have never beaten USC ever, and they're going to have to do so this week and make history potentially. But for you, William, is there any way that Stevie Montez and the offense can score enough? And then can the defense make enough plays to actually stop someone? They're currently conceding 482 yards per game, which is not great. But do you give them any chance? No, I'm not backing against a stat like that all time. You ain't hearing that from me. I'm not going to be the one getting up in soapbox saying this is the week. I, I just... That is a huge – like talk about having the wood over a team. 
yeah. I mean, obviously, then I mean, they, they haven't been conference rivals for all that long, so they wouldn't have played as many times as you might think. Correct, correct. But thirteen times, I believe. This will be number fourteen. Yeah, and I think the trend continues. I'm backing in USC to walk away with a win here. All right, the two thirty games on Sunday morning. Now I know I said I wasn't going to be getting up at two thirty anymore for Miami games, but I possibly will get up at 2.30 for the Ohio State-Wisconsin game. So this is the big game of the weekend, I think, and this gets the show rolling. Wisconsin is obviously coming off their shock loss to Illinois. Uh, Ohio State have been continually on fire. And this is what I was going to mention in the South Pole, but I'm going to mention it now. Is there any argument to be made that Ohio State hasn't really played anyone yet? Indiana, in fact, might be the best team that they have played. And whilst Indiana are good, they're certainly not on the talent level of Ohio State and certainly not on the talent level of Wisconsin. They've certainly got the softer schedule of those that you look at the top, I suppose, when you go through it. I mean, the only ranked victory they have is Michigan State. And that win is aging horribly. Well, yeah, it's, it's. I guess it's not looking nearly as impressive as it did at the time. And even then, that was they were scraping in. So, I think it's been the manner in which they've beaten teams. Like FAU are a group of five team, but a decent group of five team, and they whacked them. Cincinnati are a very good group of five team, and they absolutely smoked them. And then everyone else they've come up against, they've just trashed. And whilst they haven't been super strong Big Ten foes, they're still solid programs and they're not getting a look in. So I I think that's a fair statement to throw that in, but it's just been the margin of victory that we've seen that these guys aren't on the same level. Yeah, I don't know if I'd be banging the drum for the Cincinnati. win. whilst it was good, you're kidding yourself if – Cincinnati's in the same conversation with Ohio State from a talent perspective. In fact, there's probably only three or four teams in the whole country that are in the same conversation from a talent perspective. Uh, But I think this game should be really, really good. Both running games are going to be really, really strong. Obviously, J.K. Dobbins you have for Ohio State and then you've got Jonathan Taylor for the Badgers. But which defense do you trust more? And I think this Wisconsin defense is really, really good. They're led by Chris Orr and Zach Bourne, and and I trust their run defense a little bit more than Ohio State. I think Wisconsin, I know it's at the shoe, um, but 14.5 points seems like a lot. I think if Wisconsin can squeeze the air out of this game and keep Ohio State's possessions to, you know, seven, eight, nine possessions in a game, hopefully, then maybe you give yourself a chance. Back-to-back road games is really tough for the Badgers, but I think they can bounce back and maybe not win, but certainly cover and keep this game close into the fourth quarter. Yeah, 14 seems like a huge number to me as well. I I know Wisconsin had that loss last week, but it was kind of like what we saw with Clemson when they had that upset Scare from North Carolina and there was a bit of an overreaction and everyone's like, oh, maybe Clemson's not that good. And then they came out the week after that and just blasted a team because they are. <laughs> like, yeah. It's not that that yeah. one week, that one-off game was the norm. It was all the other shit that we've seen so far is the norm. That was the aberration. And I expect that from Wisconsin as well. I th- still think that they're going to have a really, really good defense. No, they haven't come up against anyone like Ohio State with that amount of talent and that innovation and and a playmaker like Justin Fields at quarterback. But 
before that, they were averaging five points a game against them. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. 14 points is is a huge number for a team that's only giving up. I mean, even now, what what has it jumped up to? Like seven points a game, eight, nine points a game? Something like that. Yeah, I can bring the stats up, but I'm not going to. Yeah, no. I, I guess I'm with you on that one. I think the fact that this one's played at the shoe and it is a big marquee matchup, there's going to be an atmosphere there For in sure, Columbus. Yeah. Really, really, really helps Ohio State. And I think that's a big factor in the Big Ten. Yeah. Uh, I think it's similar to SEC. The other other programs, maybe not so much, or, or perhaps it is. Uh, like the Big 12, I know West Virginia and all, Iowa State are not as obviously voluminous in how many people they get to the games, but they seem to always provide upsets and be tough places to play. So I guess what I'm saying is college football home games are a massive deal and 110,000 seat stadium like Ohio State have is going to play into this one, unfortunately, for Wisconsin. I think if it was in Madison, it'd be a hell of a lot closer line. Oh, for sure. Is it worth my time getting up at 2.30 for this one? I'm thinking the same thing, and I think I probably will. Uh, I think I'm going to have another quiet uh, Saturday night in, and, and I'll get up for this one. It, the, the shine's been worn off it a little bit with Wisconsin losing. You don't have the two undefeated teams, but I think that one's going to be worth getting up for, and then we can obviously get around Miami as well in their big matchup against You're Pitt. Fuckhead. All right. The other games from this particular early time slot, and let me know if there's anything of value here, but Oklahoma take on Kansas State. Iowa are at Northwestern. Miami at Pitt. Mississippi State, a disappointing Mississippi State under Joe Moorhead year two at Texas A&M. And then Illinois at Purdue, I don't think there's too much to get excited about. I feel like every single one of those teams is middle to bottom of their particular conference yeah there's a lot of mediocrity in that listing there someone has to be mediocre uh, mate yeah oh it's, it's got to be someone i think northwestern if if i had to pick uh, an upset of that group northwestern over iowa Ooh, they've looked terrible like my bold prediction then <laughs> But I think this is going to be a, a low-scoring dower affair. So I'll, I'll <laughs> I wouldn't be getting there. up for uh, that one, let me tell you. No, no, absolutely no. It's probably if I do get up at 2.30, I'm going to make sure I don't have that <laughs> on one of the screens because I don't want to be going back to sleep. Unless you just rock hard over defense. It's just like, yes, I, mean, I love a one-yard run up the middle. That just gets me excited. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, look at him stuffing the pocket. <laughs> All right, 6 o'clock in the morning, we have got, I mean, the Ohio State-Wisconsin one's going to be big. This one, I think, could be a little bit overrated. Number two, LSU host number nine, Auburn. I'm taking the Tigers. Nah, didn't get there, okay. I'm taking LSU, and I'm not even going to think about it twice. You've got two common opponent common opponents uh, with Florida and Mississippi State. I think LSU probably performed better in both of those two games. I've never seen two defensive set of numbers that are almost identical in terms of yardage. Like you look at it and it is like points of yards different, which is absolutely amazing. But it comes down to who do you trust more? Bo Nix, Joe Burrow. LSU run game or Auburn's run game? And the fact that it is then in Baton Rouge as well. Now, Bo Nix... Freshman quarterback on the road, tough place to play in Baton Rouge. I think that makes a massive difference. That's possibly worth 
almost 10 points. The LSU run game has been fantastic. I know Auburn and Gus Malzahn live and die by that run game, and, and that's always been the thing that he has held very close to him and the thing that he has been recognized and known for is his creativity in the run game. But when Auburn's run game is not on, which has been more common than not in the last two seasons, it is an ugly, ugly watch for Auburn. I think LSU do this and cover quite comfortably. Okay. I mean, and I tend to agree with you. I, I think they are very similar defensive units and LSU has every right to be favorite being at home and much more powerful offensively. So that all makes plenty of sense. I guess the only thing that concerns me in, in these types of matchups are that Auburn are, are a very good football team and they only need a couple of things to go their way and for this to be a hell of a lot closer than you might think. So it's probably one that I'm steering clear from on the punt. But uh, you're right in your assessment that LSU, from what we've seen so far, look like the better team. The fact that it's at home, you would expect them to win this one. I'm just saying that Auburn are, are a talented squad and don't be all that surprised if there's a turnover or, or, or something happens that kind of sparks Auburn to make this one interesting. Yeah, I mean, we haven't seen that crazy game yet where... Uh, you know, there's a special team score and then a defensive score and things get a little bit weird that way. We haven't seen that yep. one yet and that could happen. Not only that, LSU do have Alabama the following week. Well, they've got the bye. Actually, that's correct. Yeah, they do. They've got the bye and then they play Alabama. But maybe there's a look ahead factor here. I don't know. I don't know how you look past the number nine team in the country but that needs to be considered as well. Yeah. Well, and then I did hear Joe Burrow come out during the week and mention that. He, he kind of said, oh, we're not looking ahead to Alabama. Auburn, a very good football team. We're focused here. But I don't know if that was in direct response to a question that was asked to him or if that's you know at the forefront of his mind. Yeah. It's, it's one of those ones. We're trying like, so mm -hmm. hard not to look past Auburn that it's, you know, they – it, things just get Correct. weird. Yeah, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I'd love a weird game, but I just think LSU are too good this year. They are one of the most impressive football teams I've seen. That looks to be the real deal. Yeah, I mean, I like it. I like it a lot. And Joe Burrow continues to set records for that LSU offense as well. Okay, the other games in that kind of early-ish, a little bit early bracket, kind of about 6 o'clock in the morning here in Adelaide. The reasonable the reasonable bracket. Yeah, the, the reasonable, the little bit early bracket. We got Penn State versus Michigan State. Now, we saw how the Penn State offense stagnated for large stretches of the game last week, and it wouldn't surprise me to see that happen again. I could also see some strange James Franklin coaching things happening. They, that hasn't really happened yet this year, but he is a bit notorious for making strange decisions. I mean, there's already question marks around his running game decisions, uh, but they're only getting six and a half points, which I think seems about right, but it wouldn't surprise me to see a bit of a shock here by Michigan State. Okay, I think this one, on that, if you gave, well, if you gave Iowa and Northwestern steroids, I think this is the game <laughs> that you see. Oh, God. I don't hate that analogy, actually, but yeah. So, yeah, it's one that I'm probably, uh, I believe Michigan State could provide an upset being at home. And the fact that that line is probably a little bit shorter than I expected it to be, because Michigan State have been pretty bad offensively. 
But yeah, it's it's a couple of teams who are are probably kind of playing into each other's strength a little bit, and that might make things tough for anyone to really get the get it going their own way. I was really hoping for some real crappy weather as well, like real wet and dour kind of stuff that might keep Michigan State involved in the game. It doesn't appear that that is going to be the case. No snow. All right, moving on. Texas at TCU. Now, Texas have gone sort of not off the boil, but certainly quiet. Uh, can TCU muster anything on offense to alarm the Longhorns? There's only uh, Texas one-point favorite here, which seems odd. Seems ridiculous. I would have thought, yeah, I know, because TCU have not been very good this year. And yes, Texas are coming off of almost losing to Kansas at home, which doesn't fill anyone with confidence. But they're still Texas and they've still got Sam Ellinger and they've still beat a number of good teams this year. So that seems strange. I know heading down to Fort Worth might be a, a bit of a difficult road trip, but yeah, it's, it's one that the bookies obviously know something we do not. Yeah, I'm not buying that at all. TCU has been a massive disappointment uh, this season, particularly offensively. Uh, just a quick one for Texas. Devin Duvernay has caught 61 passes already this year which is impressive at just over the halfway mark so i'm taking texas at a canter here and whilst they've kind of slid into not anonymity because that will never happen in texas but from a national relevance from a media spotlight perspective they're certainly not in the mainstream Uh, but i think this is a week for them to kind of bounce back and and be heard from a big 12 perspective especially as baylor kind of pushes up into that relevancy and you keep hearing oh baylor's the second best team in the conference texas have got something to say about that i think and i think they prove it this week against tcu i like it you've made a believer of me i might even update my on the punt segment jesus christ on the back on the back all right minnesota host maryland now I mean, the only way that Minnesota lose this game probably is they look past this one and they've got Penn State next week. I don't think we'll see a letdown by the Gophers, but a good defense and a solid run game genuinely, generally kind of in, ensures you or insulates you against some of the bumpy games, unless you're Wisconsin last week. But, you know, defense and solid run game helps that out. And on top of that, they've got a really good quarterback as well uh, at Minnesota uh, with Tanner Morgan doing really, really good things as well. So I'd... You know, they're 17-point favourites, rightly so, and I think they get over the line here comfortably. Yeah, Maryland have lost four of the last five in pretty disgusting fashion as well. So I have absolutely no faith in that program at the moment. Minnesota, on the other hand, 7-0, and all the confidence in the world. They'll keep rowing that boat. Row the boat, mate. PJ Fleck. Let's get him to Miami. All right. Oklahoma State head down to Ames, Iowa, or up to Ames, Iowa, to take on the Cyclones. What does the menu look like for an Oklahoma State win in this one? Obviously, offensively, we probably don't need to speak too much about that. But but how do you go in there and beat this Iowa State offense? What does the game play out like to you? Well, I think the key is to contain Brock Purdy. I mean, it's, it's to get him off his game. You, you can't let this kid get going because he's shown the last few weeks that when he does, he's as good as anyone. He, he really is winning games off his own shoulder at the moment. Uh, Iowa State is a, a fairly well-rounded side, but they've got a real player in him. So Oklahoma State need to do something. 
And at the moment, they're, they're losing the turnover battle in a lot of their matchups that they have. They need to flip that script going in as, I think it's like 10-point underdogs. Yep. They need to have that the other way around. They need to be cautious. Well, not so much cautious with the ball, but they need to make better decisions, not turn it over, and then somehow force something on defense. Because if it, it does seem a little boom or bust, that they, they do get negative plays, they do get sacks, but then they give up huge plays and this, this has been the Jim Knowles defense kind of trademark that we've seen mm. where they they kind of lead the big 12 in sacks but also in points against <laughs> and it, 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 like it's it's really not the right recipe at the moment so something needs to happen there where you're getting more consistency and and that pressure on them so that you're forcing them into bad throws and being able to turn the ball over. I think consistency is the word that I- is so so important particularly for a pass rush like we saw charlie brewer not struggle in the first half but he didn't have things his own way certainly and it was in that last kind of quarter quarter and a half where he could just open things up and and oklahoma state like a lot of big 12 teams actually run a three like an odd front they run three down linemen but you're bringing three every time and it it just gets picked up so easily gets blocked up really easily or you bring a rusher from a, a fourth person from you know the defensive secondary and it just looks slow and quarterbacks just step up and it just looks easy in fact the only way you get a sack from there is some sort of coverage sack but that doesn't happen in the big 12 enough in those key moments i don't think uh, and and that's where oklahoma state needs to de- deliver and like you said the you know turnovers and creating ne- negative plays and if you listen to who's the guy i'm after bill bell no um bellick who's the former ravens yeah, that sounds. Yeah, right. he he was massive on like chaos plays, and then not turning and and turnovers are obviously a massive part of that. But to me, it's not the interceptions; it's actually the fumbles that crucify a team like Oklahoma State because interceptions, a bit like it playing NCAA football, they work like a punt a lot of the time. And if you can, you know, yeah, you throw a pick, but the team's still backed up inside their twenty or whatever. You can potentially live with that. But when you're putting the ball on the ground and giving it to the other team in plus territory, that's dangerous in the Big 12. And, and Oklahoma State need to play a clean game. And they, like you said, need to get pressure on Brock Purdy and, and keep him uncomfortable to the point where you know Oklahoma State can hopefully push an early lead. I think if they get an early lead and, and Brock Purdy has to force things a little bit, I think you've got a chance. Yeah, I concur. All right, uh, moving right along. Syracuse take on Florida State. We won't spend long on this one, but if things go south for the Seminoles, Willie Taggart may be out of a job as heat starts to develop down there in Tallahassee. And where Did you hear? Sorry? Did you hear what the, uh, the AD said? Right, he's, the he's come out and said that uh, he's fully supporting of Willie Taggart and all those sorts of things. I was more interested in if Willie Taggart got hit by a bus tomorrow we would not go after Urban Meyer. And that was obviously around the rumours that they were interested in Urban and he was going to be yeah. their target. I just thought it was a really interesting, even to go in that direction and throw that out there. Yeah, I mean, odd. The, and from my experience, I mean, you like since you've been a mad kind of Oklahoma State cowboy, you haven't been through a coaching change. I have now, through Miami, been very intimately uh engaged in three or four now um, from Randy Shannon to Al Golden to Mark Rick to Manny Diaz 
And generally, when it comes with this kind of smoke, generally there's something being discussed somewhere in boardrooms um, by the athletic department, whatever it is, the board of trustees. So I don't believe the athletic director at all there. And secondly, Urban Meyer is the best coach in college football, not coaching at the moment. In fact, he's probably in the top two or three best coaches in college football, period. So every team would be chasing him, I I believe, but you also have a situation with Florida State where Jimbo Fisher couldn't get the support that he wanted financially from the school and Urban Meyer certainly demands that of his school. So it'll be interesting to see where he ends up because I believe he will not be out of coaching forever. And if I'm a Miami, again, as a potential Miami fan in the future, would I sell my soul for Urban Meyer being a coach? Probably yes. Former Gator coach is not going down to Miami. Yeah, I don't think he cares that much, to be honest. Uh, but like, he's just—I mean, having read his book, and he's just so committed. Like, he will, and and that's why the shelf life for him is not that big, and and he has health problems and things like this because. He is just so committed. Is he, are some of his tactics and methods questionable at times? 100%. He pushes the limits um, in the same way that lots of coaches do. But That's how you get success. Exactly. Uh, all right. Virginia head to Louisville. Arizona catch Stanford in two games that are a little bit uh, perhaps not so interesting. Tulane and Navy square off in a big game for the American. Two very different styles there, but I think that one's a bit relevant. Duke and North Carolina. South Carolina and Tennessee square off. And lastly, Indiana head to Nebraska in a bit of a tricky one for the Huskers. They're coming off the bye, but Michael Penix has done a good job leading the Hoosiers this year, and he got nicked up a little bit last week, but... I think he's expected to play at this stage ahead of Peyton Ramsey. Stevie Scott has been fantastic on the ground for Indiana. And if there's a team that needs a win and if there's going to be heat that continues to to develop around a particular seat and a particular bottom, it may be Scott Frost. And uh, it's in this game's in Lincoln, but I'm going to take the Hoosiers. No, nah, not a chance that there's any heat on him yet. I think it's a different story to that and Willie Taggart. I think he has a little bit more leeway there. I I think they're obviously disappointed with how things are going. They'd like to see a little bit more progress, but I, I think that's probably a bit premature there. Possibly, but this is also a very proud, very historic fan base, a very committed It is, but they school. haven't been relevant for a long time. I mean, that is a fair comment, but how long do you give it? I'm not saying you cut bait yet. That's not what I'm saying at all, but there will be questions asked, especially the way the look of the game goes. If Nebraska come out flat and then they quit and then the rest of the season completely capitulates, I think there will be a lot of serious, heavy questions asked because whilst you, you just want to see progress. It doesn't need to necessarily be from the win-loss column. And, and you know, obviously they went, they had that 0-6 start last year. and it, But then they sort of turned a corner and then we were sort of expecting them to come out this year and really sort of progress and they haven't. If they can finish the season strong again and then that's two years under Scott Frost and then you would expect a bit more of a turnaround year three and then some progression year four to the point where they may be winning eight or nine games. And you can live with that 100%. But if you're going to go back-to-back really disappointing seasons uh, in a program like Nebraska, that's not going to hold up. 
I think you need to give him the full recruiting cycle. I think you've made that decision. You're all in here, and and you've got to. So you're going five years. You're going five years with Scott Frost, which I don't. Disa- I don't disagree. Yeah, Correct. that's fine. Yeah, and that makes sense. And and I like the patience, but you still want to see progression, and the fan base will Absolutely. want to see that. All right, ten o'clock in the morning. The big, well, I say the big. Another ranked matchup is Notre Dame as they head to Ann Arbor to face the Wolverines. What are your thoughts on this particular battle, Will? Yeah, this is an intriguing matchup. This is a really tight one. I think the the line is quite close as well with what Michigan are one-point favorites or, or yeah. something of that nature. Yeah. So it's a tough one to call. I, I haven't watched a lot of Notre Dame football this year, so I can only kind of go off of the stats that I'm seeing. I, I watched Michigan closely last week, and even trying to get a gauge on them from that performance is really hard Yeah. because <laughs> the first fair. half, they were so poor, and then the second half, they really turned it around and showed something. So uh, for mine, I'm, I'm leaning Notre Dame and, and that's more because I think Ian Book is a better college quarterback than Shea Patterson. I don't think Shea Patterson's very good after what I saw last week. Uh, and I've kind of been hanging on to hope we would see a bit more from him, but it just hasn't happened. And I think he's had all the opportunity to grow into, a, into the skill set that he has and to evolve into a better player, but it just it hasn't happened. And if it ain't happening now, then I don't know why I expect the penny to all of a sudden drop, where Ian Book has shown me enough that I'd back him in and the Fighting Irish in this one, albeit in tough a tough road matchup. Ooh, okay. I sort of agree and I sort of don't. I think though both of these two teams are almost mirror images of each other. We've got two good defenses. Both were picked to take a step back this year from last year, you know, two elite defenses. And they probably have, but again, both not to the extent that was expected. Both offenses have been a fraction disappointing and, and Ian Book has been good but potentially hamstrung by his offensive coordinator. You've got Shea Patterson who's expected to be good, hasn't been potentially hamstrung by his offensive coordinator. Both downfield passing games have been disjointed and disappointing. Running games have been average, although Tony Jones has got things going a little bit more for the Fighting Irish just recently. They're very, very similar. And I think the team that makes the most of their explosive play shots probably wins this one. I don't know who that's going to be. I don't have any confidence in Notre Dame. They were running the ball and then nothing gets past kind of or thrown. A forward pass doesn't get thrown past 10 yards in this offense at the moment. And that's not a good way to live in college football these days. Um, they got Chase Claypool on the outside, but outside of that, they're a little bit devoid of quality receivers. And he's a, you know, a glorified tight end really. So, I don't have any confidence in either. However, and this comes back to my bold prediction, you'll probably get a bit more of an indication then. We did see some things out of Shea Patterson and Josh Gaddis. And whilst I'm not a believer, like I think that kind of a cheater never changes their spots a little bit. And Josh Gaddis has been highly disappointing. He'll remain highly disappointing. But the, 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 Wolverine offense was actually not too bad in the second half of the game against Penn State last week. And they had a chance to win the game. I mean, if Ronnie Bell catches that pass and they go on and win it in overtime, then it's a it's a win to the Wolverines and that offense looks okay. Now, that didn't happen. That's ifs and buts and maybes. But 
I'm actually going to take the Wolverines in this one. Okay, there, there you go. All I took from that was that you think Michigan are cheaters. <laughs> Jesus. Cheaters never prosper, mate. Uh, okay, the other games that are on in the nice time slot to be awake. Uh, Arkansas host Alabama. That will be a massacre. And according to William, Tua will sit for this one. Is that what you were saying? I can't remember. And he's, then they've got an excuse of he's, not he's playing. He's 100% or... sitting. He can't play at the moment. He's he's on bed rest. Dude, okay. Dude had an operation on his ankle. Ain't walking. Yeah, and, and that's a benefit to Alabama somehow. Kansas hosts Texas Tech in a game that they'll be expecting to win, I think. Well, who knows? They're, they're certainly in the conversation. Who would you take in that one? Texas Tech. It's would you? Okay. I mean, yeah. It's in Lawrence, Kansas. I'm going to take the Jayhawks. Okay. All right. UCF and Temple do battle in Philly. Memphis and Tulsa will be fighting it out in a couple of big games in the American. Clemson face a, I've called them a resurgent Boston College, but that's probably not really fair. They had one good game. Arizona State head to UCLA. Missouri take on Kentucky. Cow visit Rice Eccles Stadium in Utah. And Washington State visit Oregon. If Oregon win that, they go three games clear and the North Division race is over bar the shouting. Anything from that kind of 10-ish, nine or 10 games there, Will, that is worth addressing? I think, yeah, there's there's a lot happening in and around that. It's certainly one that I'll be keeping an eye on, but probably I'll have that Notre Dame Michigan one locked in and then the others I'll be perusing through that second TV to find out which one's the ripper because of that group, you're going to have something pop. Yeah, for sure. And it may be one of the group of five games as well. So don't you know steer clear of those ones. There could be some fantastic stuff there. All right, that takes us through the game previews for week number nine of season 2019. It is time to dive into the championship draft. So please, William, hopefully you've got the updated numbers and stats because I've got no idea what's happening. Yeah, no, that's all right. I've got all this, mate. So my math is hopefully on, but uh, I have been keeping track of who we've picked up over the year so far, and I'll quickly run through it. Uh, obviously, Hawaii lost on the weekend in disappointing fashion to Air Force, uh, 26 to 56. And you are up first this week with a, a selection. So that 26 gets you picking from 11 to 25. So I, I hope you've put some thought into that one. I but, have. But just to, to set things up for us, uh, my squad of teams is Georgia, Washington, USC, Ohio State, Utah, Michigan State, Texas, Auburn, and Boise. So of that group, Ohio State's the only one that looks any good. Uh, and that has accumulated me 85 points. So I moved up three points from last week, which is exciting. Moving in the <laughs> right direction this week. Uh, you, on the other hand, have Michigan, Oregon, Miami, Oklahoma, Wisconsin, Oklahoma State, Penn State, LSU, and Arizona State. So both of the teams that we added in didn't do a lot for us last week. And you also right. took a couple of lumps as well. So you're looking pretty good with LSU and Oklahoma and Penn State, but Wisconsin took a, a big whack for you. Yeah. So you've Thanks, jumped Wisconsin. down to 102 points. What so were you on, sorry? Uh, 85. Oh, so still, okay. still trailing by quite a ways, but the gap is closing. Okay. Now, of course, the other thing we did need to mention is that Clemson and Alabama are not owned by us because we assumed that they were going to be well clear and in a tier of their own 
in a class yes. of their own and they are the people's teams. So that appears not to be the case this year potentially, which is nice. Well, it's uh, good I, that we have an open competition. It is. I am going, which I did not think was going to happen when we first kicked off this season. Right. I'm going to take the number 14 team in the country currently that, is the Matt Rule coached Baylor Sikkim Bears. And the reason for that is, I mean, the only other real team is probably Minnesota, but I think the Big 12 is a fraction weaker than the Big 10. So I am going to take Baylor. And even if they drop a couple, uh, they possibly will. And then we'll go and win a bowl game. That'll be enough to keep them ranked for the remainder of the year, I would think. Yeah, that's a, that's a great call. I'm kind of uh, kicking it again that you've got the first pick this week because I think <laughs> I feel like I have lucked into a lot they, of these. Picks. They have they are the clear top selection this week. And looking at their schedule, they have a very good shot this year. This Absolutely. is as good a shot as they have. I mean, I Absolutely. expect them to win their remaining games until they close the season with OU and Texas, and they get both of those games at home. Yeah, so they sure. have a shot of running the table undefeated. Yeah, they're probably not going to be at OU, but this is as good a shot as they're ever going to get. So I think that's a good one, and and they could very much quite easily end the season with only one or two losses, end up in a good bowl game, and be super competitive in that. For sure. So, hey, and we're around the Bears as well. We're around Baylor. We're around Minnesota. They're one of Aaron's favorite teams this year. So maybe that's my team. I didn't have Purdue. So I'm off them. Baylor it is. (laughs) So my choices then, I've kind of narrowed down to either SMU, Minnesota, Cincinnati, Iowa, or Appalachian State. <laughs> I think you're going to pick Iowa. Well, Iowa, I looked at the, their schedule and they've still got at Wisconsin, at Nebraska, and Minnesota. They've already got the two losses. Mm, I'm probably going to steer clear of those. That, that, that's a tough gig. SMU, Ooh. obviously undefeated. But they've got yep. Houston this week, which they should win, but you know, don't know. And then they still have at Memphis, at Navy, and Tulane on the schedule as well. And then a championship game potentially if they get Correct. to that. that that's the a two tough loss gig. group of five could be tough to keep in the rankings. But yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, Minnesota, they have Penn State uh, at home. Then they go to Iowa and they've got Wisconsin. So they're not a bad one. I mean, they they could end up dropping one or two of those ones but still be around the mark but yep, for mine yep. my, my selection and you're gonna Abster. love this <laughs> cincinnati oh no i thought you were going up state they no. like cincy cincinnati okay. so up state uh, have to play against south carolina which is Ooh, a tough one nice. on the road and they've got georgia that. state who are also a, a tough out there yeah. Uh, where Cincinnati have been rolling really well. They have that lost Ohio State, but then they play Temple and at Memphis are really their only tough tests that they have left. I expect them to be favorite in both of those games and they could essentially win the American with one out-of-conference loss and, and probably propel themselves to maybe finish in the top 12 somewhere. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I don't... I mean, they get Memphis. They're at home against Memphis, which is a nice one. And then it'll be the championship game. So it'll be whoever's coming out the other side, which appears at this stage to be SMU. Is that right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, I mean, that could be an interesting one. But if they do drop one, then lose a conference game, are we... We don't even know the rules here, what's going on. But in terms of ranking, is it post-bowl game? At or the is end of the national, ch- the final AP poll. Okay, so it's post uh, bowl game. So, so the, game. 
I guess with a group of five team, they're going to have to win their bowl game to stay ranked, it would appear, because they're probably not running the table. Probably not. They might. Um, if they do and then go and lose their bowl game, they're probably staying ranked. But if they drop one, you know, lose at their bowl game, they're possibly not ranked. But, yeah, Cincinnati's not a bad shout at all. A good defense, um, a pretty good quarterback, and they're doing some good things this year as well. So, hey, get around the Bearcats. And your rock-hard boy, James Smith, is there as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to have them. I feel better about my squad with them on board. Okay, interesting. I still feel like I'm chugging along just nicely. All right, it's bold prediction time. So take us through your particular bold prediction for week nine, Will, and let's hope that one of us can sniff something that remem- resembles a correct answer rather than a jock strap okay. of a left guard. So... Uh- Obviously, you weren't, you haven't really been happy with some of my selections lately. And it's probably fair. I have been kind of lowballing uh, my my picks in the, the boldness. Hopes, yeah, in the hopes of picking up a few here. So I'm kind of getting a bit bit out there, a bit strange this week. And this is going to be a tough one because like it is it. it's like up for it. interpretation. So we're going to have to debate oh, this. God. Yeah. But I've titled it "They Come in Threes." So mm-hmm. the first act was the poor, is it Ugger out at uh, Georgia? Here we go. Yeah. He got cleaned up by that Auburn player. I don't know if you saw Yeah, it. that was early in the yeah. game and he like tried to square him yeah, up and yeah, like yeah. bite that him and shit. Poor fella. That, that mascot there copped it. Then now, yeah. last week, we've had the Sooner Schooner flip <laughs> and we've had issues. I'm yeah. saying they come in threes. This week, there is going to be an incident, something noteworthy, that involves a, a, mascot a mascot of a team. Mascot mayhem. There is going to be something that we go, oh my God, there it is. We'll fucking call it. Okay. Or we won't I mean, hear it, it. It will be in the news. Yes. Because and, and both of those two things were. Yep. Correct. Um, do you have a prediction of, is there someone you would like to see perhaps or a particular mascot you would like to see that falls into this particular Well, I mean, category? we touched on it early on, like Ralphie. <laughs> And that might be a bit sadistic, asking for that. Like Mike the Tiger, maybe he gets out of his cage, scares a few people. That'd be pretty cool. Uh, War da- Eagle just tears someone. Yeah, that, that'd be a good one. Like they, the, it, it goes off and just doesn't come back. It just leaves. See ya, I'm out of here. Uh, do, do Alabama actually have an elephant on campus? <laughs> I think they used, is it they used to? I think to? they did, which is just crazy. Yeah. But it's all crazy. So yeah, I don't know. One of these things is going to happen and we're both going to giggle and hopefully listeners out there too will be like, ha, it's happening. We'll call it. <laughs> it's happening. Someone's died. Bevo's just horned someone, just skewered somebody. Correct. All right. And they've had to shoot him on the sidelines. All right. I, you, that, that's it? That's it? Yeah, You're done? That's me. That's okay. me. I enjoyed that. Okay. Mine is called Wheels On, Wheels Off. And I... I've got a couple of different games where we're going wheels on, wheels off. So the wheels on for me is Michigan. I'm going to say that the offense was better in the second half. Nico Collins, Donovan Peoples-Jones were better in the second half this week against Penn State or last week against Penn State. And the running game got going at least a little bit with Charbonnet in the backfield. So this week, the Wolverines are going to put up over 400 yards on a team that concedes less than 350. Josh Gaddis will be in the news for a good reason. And the Wolverines will win. That is part one. Part two, 
The wheels are off for Iowa and Northwestern. That game ends with neither team scoring an offensive touchdown. Okay. That is part A and part B. Okay, yeah. I mean, that's good. I'll, I'll watch that with interest. Um, I, I don't. Well, you won't watch the Iowa Northwestern no. game with interest, but no, you know. but I will dial into the box score and have a look and go. Yeah, I'm, I'm not all that surprised, I suppose. But <laughs> but the combination of the, the two is pretty incredible. I can't wait till the game is like three six, and I'll be like, yes, I've done it, and the f- kicker missed the extra point or something after a two yard rushing touchdown. Yeah. That will be brutal. Anyway, we are nearing the end here, but it, before we do so, of course, it is time to go on the punt with Will. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. All right, here we go. We're back. Another week. We had a win last week, so feeling good. Positive vibes. Juices are flowing. Uh, How far are you down this year so far? A lot, but that's all right. We're not going <laughs> to pump those numbers up until we get them back up. And I think... The little magic dust that you've sprinkled on in this episode will be enough for that to be the case. So I've just been updating things on the fly here. That <laughs> God, that's what we want. Exactly right. That's, that's got to fill everyone with confidence. But uh, we, we have a similar sort of uh, vibe this week. So I've got three teams that I'm backing in. Uh, and this week, I'm all about getting the points. Give me the points. Uh, there's a few underdogs okay. I like. So first up, Wisconsin, the 14. Give me that. I'm taking that. I'm taking Wisconsin with the 14. That, I like it. That, to me, seems like too much. I think Ohio State will win, but I think it'll be closer than two touchdowns. And hell, wouldn't shock me if Wisconsin provide the upset here. Uh, yep. Next one, Boston College Clemson, 34 points. That seems massive, Fucking doesn't heaps. it? heaps. For a team that runs the ball a lot too, like the the play yeah, clock and, is and rolling a lot. And Clemson have kind of not been trashing decent teams. Like they, they've put up some big scores against some of the lesser known opponents they've come up against. But that just seems like too many for me. For sure. And, you know, if they just give the ball to AJ Dillon on every down – I don't think Clemson cover. I also don't know that that obviously that Clemson defense is not what it was last year and Boston College have got an opportunity to run the ball a little bit. As long as they don't get too behind too quickly and they're forced into passing the ball, I agree. I, 34 sounds like a lot. The only thing is it is uh, at Clemson, which could create a few little issues there. Yeah, certainly. But, I but no game, one's but... expecting Boston to win. I don't think Boston expects no, Boston to win. So no. they're not going to start going after it when they're behind. They're going to do what they no. know they do. They'll just keep feeding the, my boy. Right. So you could see like a, a, a 14, you know, 42 game. Does that work? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm on that. My next one, yep. you jumped off off them. I'm I'm on. I'm backing them in this week. <laughs> oh God. Miami, Florida. Oh God. So uh, so they're underdogs. The like touchdown that. underdogs, maybe to Pitt. It's at Pitt. Do, yeah, yeah. I'm taking Miami to win. No. Yes, do all over it. They're going to bounce back. They were so sad last week. Did you see? them sing the the alma mater oh my god that was a tough watch i think there's some pride that has been dented there i expect a bounce back i think they're gonna win they're at home this week right or is it at pit no it's at pit don't worry about it they're gonna win 
<laughs> I have got a massive concern about this because I think Pitt leads the ACC in like tackles for loss and kind of chaos, pl- chaos plays. The interior of that defensive line is really, really good. And by far the biggest weakness for Miami is the offensive line, the inconsistencies of that offense as a whole and the inability to get any kind of running game going. It's at Heinz Field in Pittsburgh. It's going to be raining. I don't have good feelings about this one at all. Uh, Yeah, I mean, take them if you want. I would be steering well clear. Although having said that, I was steering well clear against Virginia and they won. So Correct. No, I'm I'm backing them in this week. I I like them. Juicy odds too. So we've got to kind of go after a few things here if we want to try and dig ourselves out of this hole. And this one seems like a really good spot for me. So I did have those three. So each of those, we're going to have three units on them. And then our multi is going to be those three ones. And then we'll also sprinkle Texas in. Texas to win on top of that one bumps our multi up to paying $23 now. So we'll put a unit on that one. Yeah, for sure. And if if we can make that happen, we'll be laughing. Okay, well, that would be nice because it'd be the first time we've even raised anything that resembles a giggle this year on the punt. So that would be fantastic and and hopefully we can make some money for not only you, Will, to get you out of the red, but also for our fans, listeners and other supporters out there as well and the family at home because they need to be eating some real food. Yeah, well, I think think I've developed some sort of joker giggle like okay that, that kind of insane cackle hysterical uh, laughing. Yeah, yeah yeah i've got a bit of that going on because of my performance on the punt so there has been some giggling yeah i mean i if you don't laugh you cry sort of stuff is yeah, that what yeah absolutely yeah okay all right that brings us to the end of our week nine preview show hopefully we blitz through it in a timely manner but please make sure as always you do hit us up on instagram and on twitter at cfb down under make sure you get in touch have a chat ask us about what or t- tell us about what you're watching who you're watching and if you are enjoying it of course make sure you do uh, subscribe to the podcast do that through Stitcher, do that through Spotify, do that through iTunes or your or your podcast app as well on your phones, whichever is your pod catcher of choice. On behalf of that guy over there in the Adelaide Hills, on behalf of myself here down on the plains, my name is Aaron, that is Will, and we will see you next time. <laughs>